gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Hello, Victory Gardeners. We hope that all of you are staying healthy and safe during this really difficult time. Our worlds have been turned upside down over the last month, and we hope that you are finding ways to get through this global coronavirus pandemic. One of the ways that we're coping with the quarantine that most of us are under is to garden a lot. We are finding ourselves checking the garden, especially our food garden, multiple times a day and really staying on top of our watering, compost, tea applications, and IPM. I've also noticed that members of our family who historically haven't been big food gardeners getting more and more interested in the food garden. Why? Because I think inherently it gives them a sense of security and a feeling of safety knowing that we are growing food at home. And in our case, not just food, but really healthy, clean, safe, and true organic food that is nutrient-dense and delicious. I think the delicious part is maybe the most important to some of these guys. I know that makes me feel better during this global crisis. There's something about having seeds, start, soil, compost, compost tea, coupled with a little bit of knowledge about growing food that gives me an inner sense of ease that I know how to survive sustain and protect my family from a multitude of calamities that can happen if the modern food chain breaks down. I'm going to do a quick interview with myself, so bear with me. Hello, Mr. Healthy Garden Podcaster. Do you think the food chain will break down during this viral pandemic? I don't know. Is it possible that it could break down and leave thousands, if not millions of people without food? Absolutely. I think that the news outlets need to grab amazing expert interviews like that whenever they can. I'll be waiting for their calls. In all seriousness, this could happen. We have seen food shortages before. All of us who garden have heard about the famous Victory Gardens during World War II. I've mentioned them before on this program. They're being mentioned all over the place in advertising campaigns and marketing spots by nurseries and garden centers all over the country right now. But what is a victory garden? What are we trying to be victorious over? That's what today's podcast is all about. This is episode number 27, the new victory garden. I'm not interested in the same old, same old. No, the old grow food because we have to survive. I'm interested in victory over toxins, soil pollution, pesticides, herbicides. I want an absolute victory over growing substandard food with substandard methods and products. I want healthy, nutritious, safe, real food being grown in every new victory garden around the world.
Hey there, Healthy Garden Podcast community. Now, more than ever, is the time for us to be a community. That means we shop local. We support our neighbors. So call your local nursery, hardware store, feed and farm supply, or shop, and order a curbside pickup of any of the Malibu compost products that you need. And if you don't have a store nearby that carries the boo, and they're true organic farm-made, non-GMO, and biodynamic compost, compost teas, and potting soil, then order from them online at www.malibucompost.com. what is victory? According to my pals at Merriam-Webster, victory is a noun that means the overcoming of an enemy or antagonist or achievement of mastery or success in a struggle or endeavor against odds or difficulties. I like both of these definitions. I always like to define things because words hold the keys to knowledge, to truth, In the first part of the definition, the overcoming of an enemy or antagonist, we lead with the overcoming. That means we have won. We have defeated the enemy. Have we? I've been to Victory Gardens around the U.S. and found them sometimes anything but victorious in the battle against toxins and pollutions and the use of faux organics. I've literally had people hand me a piece of lettuce or a cherry tomato or a strawberry and say, taste it. And I've had to hand it right back and say, is it organic? What do you grow this in? Does that make me an organic snob or a garden jerk? Maybe. Or does that make me someone who isn't willing to bend the rules that I live by to be fake or, quote, nice or codependent to other people's gardening shortfalls or their lack of knowledge or disdain for the truth about true organic gardening and growing? Believe me. Those folks are out there. I've met them at the flower shows where we'll be in our booth and I'll reach out to someone and say, are you growing organically? And they respond a little indignant, no. I nudge them, are you interested in growing organically? They roll their eyes, no. I nudge further, are you interested in your health or your family's health? They continue to walk past without ever looking back, but they say over their shoulder, that's all a bunch of nonsense. I smile to myself because what I want to say is something that I won't say on this show. But I realize that a lot of people don't know what's good for them. A lot of people don't know what's good for them to eat. And a lot of other people won't do what's good for them or eat what's good for them, even if it kills them. And in my view, kill them it will. Especially when we are in smack dab in a global pandemic. We all need every bit of leverage that we can get when it comes to our health. And I believe that growing and eating healthy food from our gardens is one way to crank our immune systems up and give our guts the prebiotics from clean, true, organic, healthy greens that we need to function at a high level. 
And if that hypothesis is even close to being correct, it would also stand to reason that if we are going to grow healthy food, then we need to grow in a healthy soil media. Use natural and organic methods to fertilize with and don't introduce poisons or toxins into plants and food that we are growing and ultimately that are going to get into our bodies. So let's take a look at the Victory Garden and why they are becoming all the rage again in coronavirus 2020. In the UK, when the men marched off to war in 1914, many of these great walled gardens that were in England, they went into decline. However, it was a boom time for grow your own. In fact, it was a term that was coined back then in a manual published in 1918. Before the war, 80% of the food had been imported in the UK. Supplies were cut off by German blockade. And in 1914, the Defense of the Realm Act created new powers to acquire land for vegetable growing. Geraniums gave way to cabbages at Buckingham Palace, and the glass houses at Kew were all laid down to onions. By July 1918, there were more than 1.4 million allotments in the UK, three times the pre-war number, many of them inevitably worked by women. In 1918, the Prime Minister David Lloyd George had promised homes fit for heroes, between 1919 and 1939, nearly 4 million homes were built in England and Wales, giving many families a garden of their own for the first time. In 1939, once again, the reliance on cheap food imports left Britain ill-prepared for war. Interesting. Think about that. Cheap food imports. Anxious to avoid the shortages of the 1914-18 conflict, the Ministry of Agriculture sprang into action, taking its name from the leader in the Evening Standard, the Dig for Victory campaign was born. Nothing was left to chance. Pamphlets showed novice gardeners how to hold a spade, dig a trench, or sow a seed. As growing food became a patriotic duty, the number of allotments almost doubled, and by the end of the war... Britain was feeding more people in its own soil than any other country in the world. That leads us to the U.S. During World War I, a severe food crisis that emerged in Europe, the one that I just talked to you about because of the German blockades, because um, agricultural workers had been recruited into the army, so, and farms were transformed into battlefields. As a result, the burden of feeding millions of starving people fell to the United States. In March of 1917, just weeks before the United States entered the war, Charles Lathrop Pack organized the National War Garden Commission to encourage Americans to contribute to the war effort by planting, fertilizing, harvesting, and storing their own fruits and vegetables so that more food could be exported to our allies. Citizens were urged to utilize all idle lands that were not already engaged in agricultural production, including school and company grounds, parks, backyards, and any available vacant lots. Promoted through propaganda posters advocating civilians sow the seeds of victory by planting their own vegetables, the war garden movement, as it originally was known, was spread by word of mouth through numerous women's club and civics organizations. Amateur gardeners were provided with instruction pamphlets on how and where to sow and were offered what crops to plant and tips on preventing disease and insect infestations. It was so well received that the government turned its attention also to showing them how to can and to dry the food that they grew. I pitched this to you guys one time before, but... They actually even 
mobilized children in this effort in the U.S. School Garden Army, the USSGA, to mobilize children and enlist them as soldiers of the soil. A result of all these efforts, three million new garden plots were planted in 1917 and more than 5.2 million were cultivated in 1918. It generated an estimated 1.45 million quarts of canned fruits and vegetables. By the end of World War I, the campaign promoting home gardens, which by then were referred to as victory gardens, had dropped off, but many people continued to maintain them. So we got back into the victory garden in the United States during World War II. Some of the most popular types of produce that were grown were beans, beets, cabbage, carriage, kale, kohlrabi, lettuce, and through the distribution of several million government-sponsored pamphlets, pamphlets, fledgling farmers were advised to maximize their garden's productivity by practicing succession planting and were encouraged to record the germination rates of seeds along with any diseases. Pretty amazing that they got into a point where literally they had people that were now also starting to Look at disease. Look at what was germinating. What kind of rates did they have? So throughout both world wars, the Victory Garden campaign served as a successful means of boosting morale, expressing patriotism, safeguarding against food shortages on the home front, and easing the burden on the commercial farmers working to feed troops and civilians overseas. In 1942, roughly 15 million families planted victory gardens. By 1944, an estimated 20 million victory gardens produced roughly 8 million tons of food, which was the equivalent of more than 40% of all the fresh fruits and vegetables consumed in the United States. Although the government's promotion of victory gardens ended with the war, now we're seeing the Renaissance movement that started back when organic gardening happened. Victory Gardens have been around for quite a while again. Norma taught the Grow LA Victory Garden program for years. And now, as we're in the midst of an unseen war, it's time to do our part to win this war of health and well-being. Norma, biological farmer and producer of the Healthy Garden podcast. Many years ago, I taught the Grow LA Victory Garden classes through the Master Gardener program. After teaching several outlines for the four-week courses, I realized that for every topic we discussed, we could trace it back to the soil. So if we were talking about pests and diseases, they got pests and diseases because they were stressed. Why were they stressed? Were we not watering them enough? Were we watering them too much? Or were they in soil or in dirt that's void of life? And then I would get into that. (laughs) 
Our soil is everything, and we, America, do not treat it like that. I learned the most valuable information about soil from foreigners, from Australians or people from India or Peru, not from Americans. Needless to say, the poor people in my classes had to put up with my talking about soil for four weekends and three hours a day. But my favorite day was soil class day that was supposed to be on the last day of the last class, where there was a potluck and awards for completion of the Victory Garden course. It was so beautiful as I saw people getting it. They were in. They were nodding their heads up and down. Even the one person in the group who knew it all already was in and learning by the fourth weekend. Once you begin your new victory garden, just remember that you're not growing plants. You are growing the soil, specifically the microbes in the soil, because the microbes feed your plants. Maybe when you learn to grow the microbes, you can teach your own new victory garden classes in your small local community. That would be a huge and attainable victory. V is for victory. This is not a podcast about putting a seed in a wet paper towel to germinate it. This is a show about waking up. Awakening the souls of the gardening world, shedding the toxicity. Waking up to what we need to be doing and what's available for us to be doing. You know, all of us can listen to the old school, old school, you know, that we've heard over and over and over and over and over, you know, from the experts. That doesn't do anything for me. You know, I like to learn by trial and error and learn from people and and study people that I think are fantastic and learn growing methods and then go out there in the garden and make mistakes and do it. You know, if you just want to, you know, same old, same old garden show, tune out. This is about awakening as a community. This is about us all coming alive and working together, and especially in a time where the world is a mess and our consciousness together will be that V for victory. To merely grow food or plant non-organic seeds or starts, that is not a victory. That is a loss, a defeat, a total failure on the purpose of growing food in the first place, in my opinion. We need to draw a line in the sand that we will not retreat from. We need to stand fast in our determination that we won't let the coronavirus not have food to feed ourselves or our family. And second, that we won't put things on our table that are in any way a deterrent to health. 
I love the concept of a new victory garden begins in the soil. A new victory. It begins in the soil. Planting starts, sowing seed, filling up the beds of our homes with clean, vital, healthy food is the best way for us to stand up for ourselves today. I hate not being able to go anywhere, do whatever I want. Why? I'm a rebel. I've always been a rebel. I don't like doing what I'm told. Being under quarantine is probably the worst thing for me ever. It's jail. It's house arrest. The only thing worse than house arrest is the fact that we are under siege from an invisible killer. The virus attacks those whose immune systems is in a weakened state. And for those whose vital forces are too low, it kills them. It's a tragedy, and I am very sorry for anyone who has passed from this horrible virus and for anyone who has lost a loved one to coronavirus. It's terrible. The one thing that I can say about this situation is that we all find ourselves in is that we're in a state where there's an enemy out there and we don't know exactly what it is. For many of us who have been gardening and growing for years, we have been the unsuspecting targets of the poisons and toxins and that so many fertilizers, insecticides, herbicides, fungicides, compost, and soil mixes have in them and we've all been exposed to them for years. Well, before the organic revolution was the gardening revolution that came post-World War II in the free world. And the U.S. gardening at home, it became, it became massive. Lawns and toxic lawn care, growing and fertilizing roses and flowers with all kinds of poisons to fertilize and poisons to handle the pests and disease became commonplace. The way that it was supposed to be, it became the new normal. Worse, the new normal shifted right into people growing tomatoes with poison and then dusting their crops with pesticides. Next, people were growing food in miracle Grow. Trust me when I say this, there's nothing miraculous about it besides the marketing that went behind it and took over the gardening world. Unfortunately, for many of the food gardeners that I know, they either learned this post-World War II era of gardening from people who grew like that or actually grew that way themselves. The big flip happened in the 90s and the early 2000s when the National Organic Program of the USDA started to label and control organic produce, products, and market. Instead of making the marketplace of growing and buying food clearer and cleaner, it only muddied the water of organics by melding the world of conventional ag and natural and organic ag. So for years now, Many of us have not been growing in things that we thought were safe. They were absolutely not. So many of the products labeled out there in the marketplace have bone meal, blood meal, feather meal in them from conventional ag. Come on, people. Does this make any sense at all? How can you have bone, blood, and feather from animals that were raised in CAFOs, contained animal farm operations without pasture, without room to move around, without anything resembling normal life for an animal, be approved for use in organic products. It's nuts. And what's worse is that these animals are fed GMO crops, corn, soy, and alfalfa, which are all sprayed with broad-spectrum herbicide glyphosate. Roundup. You've heard of Roundup Ready crops? 
The residue from those crops end up inside those animals and we slaughter them, eat them and use their bone, blood, feathers, intestine, guts, everything to make animal byproducts, which we add to fertilizers and soil mixes. We also use their manures as compost to feed our soil. If they ate it and expelled it, it's there. How can growing any food at home in anything that has these things in them be a victory? How? It can't. And that lie, that deception, that miscarriage of marketing must be squashed. The new victory garden grown only in healthy soil with real, true, organic and natural inputs in the soil and to feed with is the only real victory in the new victory garden movement. And it starts now, today, with you. If you have green waste compost from a city or municipal compost site, then throw it out. Voila, victory. If you have any soil with chicken manure, hydrolyzed chicken manure in it from conventional ag, throw it out. Victory. If you have any natural fertilizer with cottonseed meal in it, throw it out. Victory. The victory is all yours. The health, safety, and well-being of you and your family is paramount in the new Victory Garden movement. In the new Victory Garden era, we don't skimp or cheat or fake ourselves out when it comes to the truth. It is a zero-tolerance gardening practice that stands only for the use of true organic products that are the real deal. We grow safe, we fight for the truth, and we'll stand for no injustice to our guts or to our intelligence when it comes to our food. That comes to the food that we buy at the store as well. We don't grow to organic food at home and then settle for garbage, junk, or faux organic at the market. If all of a sudden we run out of food and the government rolls up your street with a military caravan and offers you a box of K-rations, you politely say no and go back to tending your garden. We don't need outside food that is tainted if we can get some true organic staples from real, true, healthy food and healthy food suppliers and then augment our meals with a clean, safe, true organic food that we are growing at home. That is a victory, a new victory a victory that will last long after this coronavirus pandemic has passed us. The individual or family that starts a safe, clean, healthy, true, organic, new victory garden is a revolutionary. A person who for their own health, well-being, and survival is willing to lay down the law when it comes to the deceptive marketing and advertising practices that have hampered us for years in trying to grow organic gardens. Shame on those companies that have lied to you year after year. Shame on those garden educators or experts who have fed you a line of bull about growing food that wasn't really healthy year after year so they can get funded by an advertiser. But now, shame on us if we don't just grow a victory garden at our homes, a new victory garden that is filled to the brim with the healthiest, safest, tastiest food on the planet. Learn succession planting for your new victory garden. You'll never run out of food. And you and your family will eat way, way past the last airing of the coronavirus task force from the White House. Keep growing. Learn to can, make sauces, 
Learn to save seeds. Learn how to finally make a great compost at home with all the organic inputs that you are now going to have. Start a worm bin. It's easy. Now we have the time. Now we have the necessity. Now we have the opportunity to finally grow the garden, the new victory garden of our dreams. We don't have to guess or hope or try to grow organic with faux organic products and false information. No. Now is the moment to seize the day and fight back against everything that has held us back from doing it. To fight back against not feeding our temples, the bodies that God gave us to thrive in. To fight back against this damn coronavirus and the disruption and angst and sadness that has brought to all of us and to take it down one plant at a time, one harvest at a time, one meal at a time from our new Victory Garden. God bless you all. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.